Welcome back to Ball With Y'all. It is Friday, and I can already tell you today is a jam-packed show. Hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Enjoyed the Egg Bowl last night between Ole Miss and Mississippi State and are ready for more action over the next couple of days as well. Thanks, as always, for joining us here today. Before we begin, just a reminder to like, subscribe, rate, review, download, and share Ball With Y'all with your friends. Don't forget, you can also send us your thoughts, your hot takes, your questions using the email in the description, and you can check us out on Instagram at Ball With Y'all Podcast. We're kicking off the final week of the regular season here, Rivalry Week. But before we get to the game, let's jump into our leading storylines from the week so far. We had our fourth release of the college football playoff earlier this week. We had a shakeup in the top four with the Ohio State Buckeyes jumping Alabama for the number two seed and Cincinnati, the Bearcats, sliding into number four after Oregon crumbled last week. Now, I mentioned on the Monday show how I thought it would be absurd if Ohio State were to jump Alabama in the rankings on Tuesday. Do I think it's absurd that Ohio State jumped up mainly off the perception of one game? Absolutely. In fact, it wasn't even one game. It was off of one half of football that the committee ultimately decided Alabama is lesser than Ohio State. It's absurd. And I could go into it more here, I won't, though, because I ultimately don't think it really matters. Well, it does matter. It matters a lot. But if I'm right, which doesn't really happen too much, but if I'm right, it won't matter. We'll discuss that more here in a little bit. As far as projected lines, Georgia would be a 16.5 point favorite against Cincinnati in what would be a rematch of last year's Peach Bowl, while Ohio State would be a field goal favorite in a rematch against Alabama of last year's national championship game. Again, it's incredible to me that Just a strong first half against Michigan State and that atrocious pass defense changes public perception this much. But again, I don't think it matters too much ultimately. As far as some good news, it feels like I say this almost every week and I'll say it again. I have good news for Georgia fans out there. Of the last six college football playoff national champions, five of them were ranked in the top two at this point in the season. The only exception was Clemson in 2016, who was sitting in fourth two weeks away from the final release of the rankings. I know there's a lot of conversation right now as far as the top four goes, but looking just on the outside, my big team to watch right now are the Oklahoma State Cowboys. They are sitting at seventh with just two games remaining, and those two games will likely be against top 10 teams. And if they win out, they'll be 3-0 against ranked teams and 6-1 against teams that are over 500. That could be enough, in my opinion, to move the needle just a little bit, especially compared to a, for example, a Cincinnati team that won't have a whole lot to show as far as its schedule goes. We also did have one new entrant, a big moment for the Clemson Tigers. They are ranked in the college football playoff rankings, I believe 23rd, for the first time this season. I will say it seems like they're getting a little bit too much credit for beating Wake Forest. I mean, have you seen Wake Forest's defense? We talked about it here. Wake Forest's defense is terrible, so yes, I know they supposedly beat a top 10 team, but if you look at it realistically, was Wake Forest ever really a top 10 team? Or were they just the best in a really bad conference in the form of the ACC? Regardless, Clemson is now ranked, and Tigers fans have a reason to be thankful as we wrap up Thanksgiving week. There were also three other SEC teams in the top 25 as well. Ole Miss at number 9, Texas A&M at number 15, and Arkansas at number 25. Once again, This week's release had a fair amount of drama, but I expect that this week's action will resolve a lot of that drama. Revisiting the coaching carousel now that we're wrapping up the regular season, a lot has happened this week alone as we look to fill many of the major vacancies across the country. So on Tuesday, Penn State, their head coach, James Franklin, 
he signed a 10-year extension through 2031, which seems to take him out of the contention for many of the top jobs around the country. You also saw Notre Dame's head coach, Brian Kelly, who had been rumored for a while. We heard Dylan from New Jersey talk about the USC job and so on. He has continued to be a leading candidate over at USC. He shut down any conversation about leaving the Fighting Irish earlier this week during a press conference as well. So two of the top names for schools like LSU, Florida, USC, and so on, who are looking to fill vacancies right now as we speak, are no longer in consideration. You can take James Franklin out, and you can take Brian Kelly out of that conversation. And you can probably add in Cincinnati head coach Luke Fickle as well to that mix, because I don't imagine he'll consider a job until after the playoff, if the Bearcats do in fact make the playoff. And most of these schools will probably look to fill their vacancies as soon as possible, especially given the fact that National Signing Day is getting closer and closer with it being in the month of February. So if you're the Gators or the Tigers or the Trojans, who is your next best bet? I see, for example, Louisiana Lafayette's head coach, Billy Napier. He comes to mind. He's a former Saban disciple, and he's done incredible things for the Ragin' Cajuns. He actually turned down the Auburn job last year and the South Carolina job as well, and it looks like those tough decisions could be paying off for him this year. Also, another name to keep in mind, Iowa State's head coach, Matt Campbell. He's been rumored to fill a number of vacancies throughout the years, but it feels like this year just might be the right time. Iowa State has not had a great year by any stretch of the imagination. I believe they started out 7th ranked overall in the AP poll. They've fallen off the face of the earth ever since. And in my opinion, Matt Campbell can do a lot better things than what he's doing right now with the Cyclones at Iowa State. He has the ability to succeed quickly at a place that is a stronger recruiting presence than do the Cyclones right now. And of course, we cannot forget Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M's head coach, He's still the lead candidate for LSU right now, no matter how many times he denies it. He's still going to get asked about it until LSU hires somebody else. Everybody will be looking at Jimbo Fisher as the potential successor for Ed Orgeron. We'll see how it unfolds, of course, but it seems safe to say that many of these openings should be filled in the next month or so. Moving over to our game picks for this weekend. We did pretty good last week. I must say we did pretty, pretty well. We went five and three against the spread and straight up as well. Five and three, putting us at 37 and 55 against the spread this year and 59 and 33 straight up. That was only our second winning week against the spread this year. I believe the first since week seven. So there's a lot of momentum here going into the final week of the regular season. This week, we've got a ton of rivalry games that will shape the season with some significant ramifications on all fronts, bowl eligibility, playoff positioning, and more. Let's take a look at our eight top games from this weekend's slate. We'll start in Fayetteville with a number 25. Arkansas Razorbacks are a 15-point favorite, hosting the Missouri Tigers, the over-under sitting at 60 points. Missouri owns the series between these two teams 9-3, and they have won the last five against the Razorbacks. Missouri, they are on a two-game win streak here, led by senior running back Tyler Beatty, who's averaging more than 175 rush yards per game over the last two games. Now, Beatty should be able to move the ball here pretty well, as well, since the Arkansas rush defense is not all that great. They got pushed around last week by Brian Robinson Jr., of course, the Alabama Crimson Tide running back, when Alabama has not exactly been a great rushing team this year either. As far as defense, Arkansas scoring defense is pretty average. They rank in the top 60 nationally, whereas Missouri's is bottom 15, allowing nearly 35 points per game. I talked about last week saying that Arkansas's pass defense was their strength, and yes, it is their strength, but Alabama took it to the woodshed last week. 
Missouri won't nearly be as successful as Alabama was, but I do see them faring well here in the passing game as well. Ultimately, this should be a pretty high-scoring affair. Neither defense is particularly remarkable, and both offenses can be particularly prolific if they want to be. Generally speaking, high-scoring games tend to lean toward the heavy underdog for obvious reasons. With that in mind, I'll say Arkansas bounces back and finishes a strong season with a strong yet close regular season finale. I'll say Arkansas wins, Missouri covers, and the overhits go 38-30 Razorbacks. Moving over to the great state of Kentucky, where the Kentucky Wildcats will be visiting the Louisville Cardinals. Louisville's a two-point favorite. The over-under is sitting at 56.5 points. Kentucky, they narrowly own the series, leading 17-15, to 15, and they have won the last two and three of the last four. We talked about earlier in the season that turnovers have continued to be an issue for Kentucky. They have a minus 13 turnover margin, which is second to last in the nation. They are 129th out of 130 teams. They are just slightly better than the Arizona Wildcats, who I think just got their first win since 2019 a couple weeks ago. They can't afford to give the ball away here like they have throughout the season and give Louisville short fields in this game. It's no surprise here, but Louisville's offense is predicated on the success of their quarterback, Malik Cunningham. Sometimes he's off, but sometimes he's on, just like last week where he went for more than 300 passing yards and five touchdowns in the air alongside 224 rush yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Kentucky's defense did start out strong to begin the year, but they have trailed off ever since that Georgia game, the seventh game of the year, I believe, for them this season, particularly when they have faced strong quarterback play. You think of Mississippi State's Will Rogers, the Tennessee's Hendon Hooker, they have struggled. These two teams, they're pretty evenly matched, though, if you look at the numbers. Louisville has a slight edge when it comes to scoring offense, but Kentucky has a slight edge when it comes to scoring defense. If Kentucky can win the turnover battle, or even just keep it even, they don't have to win. If they can just keep it even, have a draw there on that front, they will win this game. But if they play sloppily like they have throughout the season at times, this is Louisville's game to lose. I'll take Kentucky to win, which means they will cover, and I'll say the under hits will go 31-20 Wildcats. Moving over to South Carolina, where the Gamecocks will be hosting the number 23 Clemson Tigers. Clemson is a 12.5 point favorite. The over-under is sitting at 43.5 points. Clemson, they have dominated this series throughout history, owning the series 71, 42, and 4, and they have won the last six dating back to 2014. Both programs, they seem to be clicking a little bit more offensively as of late after slow starts to begin the season. South Carolina, they have wins against Auburn and Florida in the month of November, while Clemson has won four straight, including a massive upset win against a top 10 Wake Forest team last week. They are not the same team that we saw back in the month of September. You know, I kind of mentioned it earlier, and I'll say the same thing here. Last week's offensive showing against Wake Forest for Clemson seems like a bit of an aberration. I just don't think that they're that good. In fact, I think Wake's defense is just that bad. Yes, Clemson can move the ball a whole lot better than they once could, but I don't think that they're going to challenge South Carolina nearly as much as they did against Wake Forest last week. Both defenses are the strengths here, though. If you look at just the numbers, these are the strengths. Clemson has the nation's eighth best scoring defense, while South Carolina is somewhere in the top 50 or so, all stats, if you just look at the numbers, point to Clemson winning this game handily. And they should win this game. But in their six games at home this year, South Carolina is 5-1 and one against the spread. Clemson on the road this year, they are 1-4 and four against the spread. So I see it being a tighter game as a result. A tighter game than the experts expect. And to that extent, I expect it to be a massive moral victory in Shane Beamer's first year. I see Clemson wins... South Carolina will cover, and the overhits will go 27-21 Tigers. Moving over to Florida, where the Gators are a one-point favorite at home 
hosting the Florida State Seminoles. The over-under sitting at 59 points in this game. There are a ton of teams across the nation right now that need wins this week to become bowl eligible, including four matchups of five and six teams. And this one right here is one of those games. Florida leads the series 36-26-2, and they have won the last two. Florida State, they have won seven of the last ten in the series, though. For only the third time in Florida-Florida State's history to rivalry, I believe it's 65 games or so, both teams are entering this game with a losing record. The only other time that's happened, about five or so years ago in 2017, and then I want to say 60 or so years ago in 1959. So this is a historical moment for both programs here in this game. You know, Florida's coming to this game in shambles. It feels like not too long ago that they pushed Alabama to the brink, and now they're sitting second to last in their division. It'll be interesting to see how those players respond in this first game without Dan Mullen, especially you could tell that the players had given up on Dan Mullen. But have they given up on the season two? I don't really know. You know, look, look at LSU where the players are fighting their hearts out. I don't necessarily know if you're going to get the same fight here after Dan Mullen's gone. Now, for those of you who haven't been keeping up with the Seminoles this year, who haven't been paying attention to the Seminoles, they are all of a sudden a pretty good team. Of course, they started out the year 0-4, including that disastrous Hail Mary against Jacksonville State in Week 2, and have since gotten head coach Mike Norville off the hot seat with a 5-2 run in their last seven games. So these two teams, they're pretty close in terms of scoring defense, both sitting around 70th in the nation, giving up around 27 points per game. Despite Florida's recent woes, though, they still have a top 20 rush attack at more than 215 yards per game. And Florida State isn't too far behind either, also sitting in the top 50. One key difference in this game could be the passing game. Florida State, they are bottom 35, while Florida is top 35 in the nation. So the common theme here is that Florida is consistently better offensively, and the two programs are essentially equal when it comes to defense. But these stats, of course, take into account the whole season. And Florida in September is not exactly the same Florida that we have as of late. So I'll say Florida State wins this one and keeps the Gators away from a bowl berth. I'll say Florida State wins. They cover and the under hits will go 24-19 Seminoles. Moving over to what could be Ed Orgeron's last game for the LSU Tigers. They'll be hosting the number 15 at Texas A&M Aggies. Texas A&M is a six-point favorite. The over-under sitting at 45.5 points. LSU owns the series between these two teams, 34, 22, and 3, and they have won 8 of the last 10. Like I said, could be Ed Orgeron's last game for LSU. He needs a win here to become bowl eligible. I mentioned it when I was talking about Florida. This LSU team has played very hard as of late for their head coach, even though he will not be there come next season. They pushed Alabama to the brink. They pushed Arkansas to the brink, so we'd have to expect some of the same here as well. Much like the Florida game, this comes down to how hard these players want to play for a guy that won't be their coach in a few weeks. Texas A&M, they have their coach, at least they have their coach for now. They're coming in with a lot to play for, of course, including an outside chance at a New Year's Six bowl game. A&M is incredibly strong defensively, but their offense has been a liability at times throughout the season. Texas A&M, they come in with the nation's second best scoring defense, allowing less than 15 points per game. And they have relied on that defense, especially when quarterback Zach Calzada has been largely ineffective throughout the season. The big difference here should be the line of scrimmage. In years past, LSU has been a dominant team on both sides of the line. On both lines of scrimmage, LSU has historically been dominant through the years. But they haven't been that great this year, while A&M has been pretty strong on both fronts. Like I said, there are massive implications here. We talked about bowl placement for both teams. Also, don't forget, LSU did not even go to a bowl game last year due to, I believe, a ban or a suspension or something along those lines. So this 
could be a massive moment for them. Back-to-back seasons without bowl appearances is a disastrous look and it will only continue to hurt the LSU image for seasons to come. Regardless of ramifications, AM is the better team. But if we've learned anything over the last few weeks, LSU will find a way to keep it close. I'll say AM wins. LSU covers and the under hits will go 21-17 Aggies. Moving over to our three biggest games of the week, only featuring one SEC matchup, but two other massive games out of the conference as well. We'll first start off in the state of Oklahoma with the number 10 Oklahoma Sooners visiting the number 7 Oklahoma State Cowboys. Oklahoma State is a three and a half point favorite. The over-under sitting at 51 and a half points. Oklahoma, they have handily owned the series 90, 18, and 7. Oklahoma State has only beaten Oklahoma 18 times through the years. And Oklahoma has won the last six since 2015. For many of us, this Oklahoma team has been a far cry from what we expected. Spencer Rattler, he fizzled out at quarterback. Caleb Williams showed signs of life against Texas when he came in to fill in for Spencer Rattler and then also fizzled out not long after. Then they survived Kansas and Iowa State and Nebraska and a handful of other opponents that had no business giving them trouble. Quite simply, this Oklahoma team has avoided disaster countless times throughout the season. Yet here we are, and they are one win away from competing for yet another conference championship. Their rivals, of course, Oklahoma State, are sitting in position to potentially challenge for a playoff spot. They'll need to win here, and they'll need to win next week in their conference championship against most likely Baylor to help make their dream a reality. We've talked about the struggles that Oklahoma's offense has had throughout the season. If they weren't already having issues, Oklahoma State's defense would definitely make them struggle this weekend. The Cowboys have the nation's second best scoring defense and have squeezed the life out of their opponents as of late. Everything we've seen lately says Oklahoma State is absolutely the better team, and they deserve to win this game as a result. But Oklahoma has not lost to the Cowboys in 10 years, mostly because their offense always gives them a chance. I'll take the off chance that their offense could give them some magical moments here, securing a second game against the Cowboys in the Big 12 Championship next week and ending any hope that Oklahoma State has to make the playoff. I'll say Oklahoma wins. They cover and the overhits will go 30-24 Sooners. Moving over to the Iron Bowl, my personal favorite rivalry game. The number three Alabama Crimson Tide are a 21-point favorite on the road going to Jordan-Hare Stadium facing off against the Auburn Tigers. The over-under sitting at 51.5 points. Alabama owns the series between these two teams, 47-37-1, and they won last year, but they've only won two times in the last five trips to Auburn. About a month ago, honestly speaking, I'll just be very transparent here, this game could have decided the SEC West, and I was mentally preparing myself to pick Auburn to win this game. After three straight losses in the month of November, of course, that will not be happening, and I am delighted to say that I will no longer be picking Auburn to win this game. But let's talk about whether Alabama will cover the spread here. Alabama has been slow coming out of the gates offensively lately, but they are still one of the highest scoring offenses in the nation. Their passing attack continues to be the tied strength, led by a record-setting year for Bryce Young and two probably soon-to-be first-team All-SEC wide receivers in the form of Jameson Williams and John Mechie. Auburn's strength, defensively speaking, has been in the running game where they rank top 40 in the nation. So we should expect to see a big game here from Bryce Young, Jamison Williams, John Mechie, and so on as the Tide try to spread the ball around to open up some of those running lanes for Brian Robinson Jr. and so on. Now with TJ Finley on their center, again, Bo Nix is out for this game. He had ankle surgery. He is unfortunately so sad. Tears. He is not playing this game. TJ Finley will be under center. We'll probably see them look to run the ball as much as possible, especially with sophomore Tank Bigsby behind TJ Finley. 
Now, the only problem with that strategy, of course, is that Alabama has the nation's sixth best rush defense, a defense that has bottled up Florida, Ole Miss, and Arkansas, all teams that have relied on the run game this year. So all signs point to Alabama comfortably winning this game in Auburn. Like I mentioned earlier, a place that the Tide have only won twice since 2011. I'll take Alabama to steamroll the Tigers here and quickly turn their attention to Atlanta, where they'll face the Georgia Bulldogs. I'll say Alabama rolls. They cover, and the overhits will go 45-17 Crimson Tide. On to our last game. I believe this is called the big one or the game. I don't know what this is called. It's supposedly a big rivalry, but it hasn't really, it's been pretty one-sided as of late. Number two, Ohio State, a seven and a half point favorite, visiting number five, Michigan, the over-under sitting at 63 and a half points. Michigan, they own the series somehow, even though they haven't won since like 2012, 58, 51, and six, and Ohio State has won the last 12 games in the series. Even though it's been lopsided as of late, this one should be a lot of fun. Ohio State has an incredible offense leading the nation in scoring with more than 47 points per game. And Michigan, they aren't too far behind either, averaging just short of 37 points per game. We've talked about it ad nauseum. You've probably heard other folks talk about it as well. CJ Shroud exploded in the first half against Michigan State. But I'd be surprised if we see the same thing replicated here against this Michigan defense. Michigan's defense is ranked 7th in the nation, allowing less than 17 points per game. They have been strong throughout the season. Ohio State's defense isn't too far behind. They're sitting around 19 or so points per game allowed. So this is a relatively even matchup defensively. Both offenses are also pretty good. Both defenses, like I mentioned, are very strong as well. So as far as statistics go, Michigan is marginally better defensively, while Ohio State is marginally better offensively. In games like this, where there's so much pressure on the playoff and the Heisman race and so on, I tend to lean defense. On the topic of defense, Michigan's pass rush has caused problems all year, and I see them giving Ohio State's freshman quarterback problems here as well. The way I see it, they'll have him seeing ghosts by halftime. I'll take Michigan to finally conquer their Buckeye Demons, securing a spot in the conference championship, and solidifying their playoff resume in the process. You know, we've been talking about seeing some late season chaos all season long, and I think that this could be it. I say Michigan wins. They cover, and the under hits will go 26-21 Wolverines. To recap, we're going Arkansas, Kentucky, Clemson, Florida State, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Michigan. If our picks are any indication, we are in for a wild week of football that will definitely have the committee rethinking that top four next week. Whatever happens, you know we'll be here on Monday to discuss it all. Enjoy the games today and tomorrow. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch y'all next week.